are listening to Spitball with Adri Paul Hope Mellows and Marcus Innuendo Bingo Henson. Hello and welcome to this week five episode of Spitball. <laughs> I'm your host, Adri Ballhawk Mallows. Joining me as ever is my co-host, Marcus Innuendo Bingo Henson. How are you, sir? I am awesome. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> How's your week been, my friend? Uh, it's been really good, actually. Um, crazy as, but had a really lovely weekend. So that's uh, that really made it good. Well, what'd you get up to? At home with the little man. It was awesome. Ah, uh, nice George weekend. Excellent. Well, join us after this short break when we'll be back with our quick fire roundup of the week five action. The Super Bowl is defined by spectacular plays, and those that have the longest staying power are often the longest runs. From time to time, for some teams, lightning strikes twice. As time passes, those plays and players grow in stature. Throughout Super Bowl history, familiar faces have risen to the moment. Even if it means rising and running in the opposite direction. Now, with another super stage on the verge of being set, who will join them in a run for immortality? We come on now to the quickfire roundup of the week five action, and I believe, Marcus, it's down to myself to start this week, is it not? Yeah. Well, let's get started then with the battle of the Florida teams, Jacksonville versus Tampa Bay. This one saw an explosion of red zone action from both teams, not to mention a great performance from Tampa running back Doug Martin, who ran for 123 yards and two touchdowns. Not only that, he had three receptions for 35 yards and a score. Tampa came out on top in this one, 38 to 31. Thursday night football as uh, Indianapolis came into Houston and Indy's veteran pairing put on a show as Andre Johnson showed Houston just what they were missing. Houston managed to come back into it, still got a debate over which quarterback is best it seems. Well, you best hurry up and make up your mind because Indy ran away with this one 27 to 20. We come on now to the Buffalo versus Tennessee game and this was a poor contest from the outset to be honest with you. Both teams cancelled each other out. The score at halftime was 3-0 to the Titans. They managed to extend their lead to 10-0 but by the end of the game the Bills managed to turn things around thanks to Tyrod Taylor and sneak a victory 14-13 to the Bills. Washington came into the Georgia Dome in Atlanta as the Falcons looked a little bit human this week as the Redskins defense gave Atlanta a bit of a scare, took an overtime pick six to save the day here as Atlanta go on to win it 25 to 19. And don't forget that was my last week I thought that the Falcons would only manage it by three points so it was as close as I was expecting which is a bit of a novelty these days. Mm, Absolutely. We come on now to the Arizona versus Detroit game and I really don't know what's happening in Detroit right now. Admittedly, they were unlucky last week against Seattle, but this week they just got mauled. Palmer for the Cardinals was looking relentless and the Lions just can't stop coughing up the ball. Arizona won this one 42-17. 
Wow, Cleveland came into Baltimore, and Josh McCown shows shows us exactly why he's the starter. Um, as over 450 yards against the Raven, took a couple of lovely circus catches to help him out along the way. Where's this legendary D that we all remember for Baltimore having? Well, it wasn't there Sunday. An overtime field goal win it, wins it for Cleveland, 33 to 30. Well, in answer to that, Marcus, I can tell you what's happened to that Baltimore D that we remember. It's retired. <laughs> Mr. Ray Lewis and uh, Ed Reed are no longer there, so that's a big factor as to why that Ravens D isn't quite what it used to be. Not to mention CJ Mosley's good, but he's not quite Mr. Ray Lewis good yet. Move on now to New England versus Dallas, and this had all the makings of a great game. New England coming off their bye week, Dallas trying to find their feet without Tony Romo, but Patriots came in meaning business off their bye week. Just dominant from the first kickoff, another win for the Patriots, oh, and Lewis also scored a lovely TD with a bit of ducking, a bit of bobbing, and a bit of weaving. New England 30, Dallas 6. Been working on his boxing there, is it? A ducking and a weaving and a diving? <laughs> he has been, he's a little bit of uh, floating like a butterfly and stinging like a bee. Rumble, okay. young man, rumble. Well, Seattle came into Cincinnati and no Marshall Lynch, but fantasy owners say hello and welcome to Thomas Rules. Cincinnati needed a fourth quarter rally to, to topple Seattle in overtime. They came out winners here, 27-24. What does Thomas do? <laughs> With that, I move swiftly on to the Denver versus Oakland game, which again in itself was, for me, a little bit awful. Very low scoring. AFC West game, a lot closer than it was supposed to be on paper. Woodson finally managed to pick off Peyton Manning for the first time in his illustrious career and Von Miller came away with one of the best sack forced fumble fumble recovery plays I have ever seen I'm going to put a link to it in the show notes I hope you enjoy it as much as I did Denver snuck the win 16-10 against Oakland Seattle travelled up north to Lambeau Field in Green Bay and bad day for quarterbacks as uh, Nick Foles throws four interceptions and Aaron Rodgers throws two and has a little bit of a fumble. Green Bay, however, are able to contain the Rams' offence on those crucial downs and make some big plays of their own. They win it 24-10. to And of course, that was the first time that Aaron Rodgers has thrown a pick at home in, I believe, two or three seasons now. So crazy that you wait all that time for one pick and just like buses, two come along at once. Poor Aaron Rodgers. Moving swiftly on away from my bad puns, we come on to the <laughs> San Francisco versus New York Giants game from Sunday night. Both quarterbacks managed to get into rhythm and finding their key receivers with Manning finding Beckham Jr. and Kaepernick finding Anquan Bolden. Both teams exchanged blows all the way throughout the game and then it came down to the last Giants drive with Eli Manning showing us that Eli Manning of old with the game-winning drive throwing it to Larry Donnell for the winning score. Giants won 30-27. Chicago came into Kansas City and the Bears scored 15 unanswered points to rallying KC, who looked deniably average. Uh, injury worries to start coming back to Mile Charles look bad news for the Chiefs, and unfortunately, it doesn't seem like there's going to be much else there. Offense was struggling to get going all day long. Uh, Chicago wins this 18 to 17. Yeah, that was a close one, and then that big catch by Matt Forte to win the game for the Bears. We come on now to the Monday night game, Pittsburgh versus San Diego. I actually managed to catch a little bit of this game when I woke up this morning. Monday night football headed out west to San Diego. We saw the return of Antonio Gates from his suspension. Had a big game with nine catches, 92 yards and two touchdowns. But in the end, it all came down to that Pittsburgh offense, Michael Vick making plays and Le'Veon Bell scoring the game-winning touchdown with zero seconds left on the clock. 
Sealers win this one 24-20 yeah amazing for Gates to get that um, get into that 100 TD club yeah 100% I mean a great player and despite the suspension I think we have to uh, give him props where it's due there he is an absolutely phenomenal tight end and one of those players who remoulded that tight end position I'm going to finish off my, my roundup with New Orleans in Philadelphia. Now, Philly are still struggling to start well in games this year. However, the run game got rolling as Murray and Matthews, and of course, uh, a quite lucky bout of fumbleitis happened to Drew Brees in that second half to get the Eagles back in the game. They managed to win this one 39-17. Yeah, that was a mauling, just like the Cardinals game, wasn't it? That Eagles defence was phenomenal, especially Fletcher Cox. I may or may not come back to him later in the show. <laughs> Spoiler well, alert. First, but <laughs> first half, especially first quarter, you know, they are struggling. They've got to start games better. Otherwise, it's difficult to start always fighting from behind. Yeah, 100%. If you get too far behind early, then it's just uh, game over pretty much. Now, when we come back, we will have our weekly thoughts and musings. Newton has some time. Now he's flushed out, starts to run, he is knocked down. Here comes the rush. Heads left, they got him again. They sack him this Super Mario. Mario Williams with his second sack of the That's game. what I'm talking about. Close the distance on them, then bang a move. Don't waste your time and get... That's how you're getting the pressure. Good job. He dropped by Cam Newton from a well-formed pocket. Anchors it end zone, and it's caught. Touchdown, Ted Ginn Jr. You having fun? That's what it's all about. We're going to slow the pace down a little bit now with our weekly thoughts and our weekly musings. Now, Marcus, I want to come to you first to see what you have noted from this week five action. So basically, my big thing about this week is that um, a lot of people saying how a lot of sports, there's a massive gap in sort of like the, the top level and then working down to sort of like mid tier of like leagues. I want to just put out there how much I love the way the NFL manages to keep it fresh every year. Okay, always highly competitive. And to point this out this week, we had 10 games of one score or less they finished up, of which three of them went to overtime. I mean, how more competitive do you get when games are literally decided by one score? I know, it's fantastic for the league. And just to put it into context, that's 10 out of the 14 games that happened this week. So that's the vast majority of the games being decided by one score or less. And I briefly touched on it in the blog this week as well, just how great I think the draft system is for keeping the fresh talent coming up. The worst team getting the first pick really helps balance out the talent levels on, on all of the teams. Not to mention that mixed with the salary cap means that the best teams can't always keep hold of the best players because you can't afford to keep them. So when you put those two things together, you make for a really competitive league. Absolutely. And it just comes down to sometimes that, that individual effort. We saw a lot of individual efforts this week that sort of went above and beyond the call of duty. And I think that's that's the thing about it. I mean, you sometimes only need that one play, that one spark, just something creative that really sort of lights up the show. Yeah, and you mentioned there as well about three of the games going into overtime, and that actually leads me nicely into one of the things I wanted to mention this week, and that is the change to the overtime rule two years ago, which meant that both teams get a possession if the first team only scores a field goal on the first possession, rather than it being that standard two-minute overtime, whoever gets the ball first 
drives the field, kicks the field goal, game over. No, now you actually have to build a drive and get that score. And it gives the defences that flexibility to be able to attack from that opening kickoff. You don't have to bend and not break, as it were. You can attack and attack and try and force that turnover and try and get your team in a great position. And quite often we see in the overtime games, in particularly the Atlanta Redskins game, where the defence gets a walk-off touchdown with a pick six. Not only that, I mean, the Cleveland game, they nearly forced a safety on Joe Flacco. Yeah, they did. And that a safety, again, that would end the overtime because it's essentially the end of defensive the score. possession. Yeah, it's a defensive score. So, um, And to be fair, I think that was borderline oh, borderline man. inside the pocket anyway, so it should have been a flag yeah. on the safety, I think. I don't know what you thought about that. Yeah, I must admit, I did think there was... Also, I'm not sure how it got close to that original line of scrimmage. I'd like to see actually how... Because, of course, it's got to go past the original line of scrimmage, and I'm not sure actually ever... Maybe if it did, we're talking like a yard over the original line of scrimmage. But of course, there's always going to be that human element to refing, which you want to keep in there at the same time as you want to make sure every call gets right. But again, thinking of the refereeing, I know we, we harp on about it a bit at times, but I want to come back to that Detroit-Seattle game from last week because I hadn't fully seen all of the highlights until... Oh, you mean the bump action. out of bounds? Yeah, so the bump out of bounds, because they were talking about it in the action this week, and they kept showing that hit on Calvin Johnson, and then obviously the end of the play, and I'm thinking <laughs> to myself, is he allowed to bat that out the back of the end zone? Then I kept watching, I'm thinking, why do they keep showing this? There's nothing wrong with that hit on Calvin Johnson. And then, of course, eventually they said, they confirmed my suspicions that batting it out the back of the end zone is actually a penalty. So <laughs> I've got absolutely no idea how that wasn't picked up on replay. You've got to remember, a lot of the time you were going to call the same stuff. Refs, you're told to look for, for defensive holding, pass interference, stuff like that. You're looking for offensive holding on the line of scrimmage in the trenches. Batting a ball out of the back of the end zone. I mean, you're going deep into the rule book for that one. You might have glanced at it when you were a ref in training. Well, yeah, I suppose it's that. But then wouldn't they have been reviewing the play anyway because of obviously the hit in the end zone? Or are you saying that even though they reviewed it, they just wouldn't have thought to look for that? I think it's just such an obscure rule that lost deep in the, the, the referee manual, the, the, the code of conduct or whatever it is for the, for the rules of NFL, that it's just so sort of misappropriated there just because they're like, what does happen? It's almost like someone looking at someone else going, what happens when it happens? Is that just a touchback? I think it's just a touchback. And just rolling with it. Once the call is made, you've got on with the game. It's it's done. You know, it's right or wrong call, human element. No worries. That's that's sports. Well, this is very true. Um, The other thing I noticed this week, a lot of people getting injured again. Non-contact injuries, like I was watching the Philly game, Aglahor went out when he seemed to just turn. You know, I know this is a contact sport, but, you know, sometimes I am just shocked about how violent the game is. Some of it you love, other times you do just sit there and just go, you understand why these guys are paid so much because they put their bodies on the line every single day. Yeah, 100%. But I know we've talked about injuries before, so we're going yeah, we to move, about it, swiftly, yeah. move swiftly away from that. And I want to ask you, which teams for you are looking good this year? And also, as part of that same question, of the five undefeated teams, who do you think will lose first? Oh, who do I think will lose first? But also, which teams are looking good first? That's the first part of the question. Uh, well, the teams that are looking good, uh, even though they won ugly, I still think Atlanta looked good. They seem to have made this shift since since Mike Smith went out. They just look a little bit more hungry for it. Yeah, Matty Ice is back. Matt, 
Matiatis' back. Yeah, with all those late game comebacks, you know he's had, again, it's something I won't talk about too much because I put a little bit on it in the blog, but he's had 30 game winning drives and he's only been in the league since 2008. Wow, actually that is quite impressive. So there you go. Yeah, some uh, some fun stats for you there that I managed to pull out from Google during the week. <laughs> um, but yeah, so let's get back to five undefeated teams. Who's going to lose first? Oh, well, I'm trying to think actually. So you've got Atlanta, New England, Green Bay, Cincinnati. Who's the fifth one? What, the fifth undefeated team? Denver. Yeah. Denver, that's it. I suddenly had it in the back of my mind. I'm scratching going, who's number five? They didn't look great actually against Raiders, did they? No, Manning threw two picks and no touchdowns. You know what? Let's face it, who had a bad week this week? Who didn't look great? Green Bay didn't look amazing against the Rams. Atlanta didn't look amazing against Washington. Denver didn't look amazing against um, Oakland. Cincinnati didn't look amazing against Seattle. They had to have that massive four-quarter comeback. New England looks the only one there who I'm like, damn, these guys are good. But I'm going to have to go with how competitive the West is. I think San Diego could cause an upset. I think Denver's going to be the first one to lose. Wow, that's a bold statement, just because something isn't quite clicking with that offence, is it? I know they're missing a couple of pieces with obviously Julius Thomas going to Jacksonville, but there just doesn't seem to be something right. Manning just doesn't seem to be playing at the same level, or Manning has now been shackled and can't play at the same level because he doesn't have that same flexibility that he had under his previous coach in John Fox. I think as well, the run game isn't quite getting established enough in my book. And the fact is that Manning is seeing a lot more pressure in his face. Okay, he's the kind of guy who is comfortable in the pocket. He's not slowing down. However, how many hits he can take is I don't think he'll be as durable. So I think if you don't keep him from taking so many hits, because the pressure is what's really causing his interceptions, either he's not seeing the ball right or he's just got too much pressure in his face. The offense, I don't think Denver, I mean, where's the 30 points a game thing that they were doing like two years ago or something like that, you know, stupid amount of points per game. Where's that gone to? Well, it disappeared because of the amount of talent they've missed, they're missing off their office and don't have Welker anymore. They don't have Thomas anymore. So that's two major factors as part of that big offense that they had now. All you have to do is sort of <laughs> cover Demarius Thomas and try and stem Sanders as best as you can. And then they've pretty much got no offense on the back of that. Just going to finish off now really, really quickly because I know we're running a bit short of time. Want to talk running backs. So despite the likes of Devontae Freeman and David Johnson making all of the highlights and headlines and news, Matt Forte is actually the rushing leader at this stage in the season. What are your thoughts on that? This doesn't surprise me. Does not surprise me. He is a solid back. And the fact is that Chicago game works off the run to establish the play action. And despite the fact that he's potentially not going to win a, a trophy in his career because of the team he plays for, is Matt Forte a Hall of Fame running back? Was it last year or the year before he came off a bit of a knock? Uh, yeah, he had a bad injury. Yeah, a very bad injury. So what he's done to come back from... Yeah, I mean, Bear fans, believe it. He could be a Hall of Famer. And with that, we will leave that there. And when we come back, we will have our Impact Player and our I'm eating burritos bigger than you. It's time to go eat, baby. Let's eat. You got some hungry dogs over here. Apple! Orange! Orange! Hot potato. I don't want no crackers! Hungry, man. I gotta eat it. Feed him, he hungry. Man, you guys didn't eat your Wheaties this morning, did you? We eating all day, bro. We'll brown these guys up and turn them into little bitty eagle meatballs. It is now time for our 
Impact Player and our now, Marcus. Because I'm really bad at remembering things, can you remember if you went first last week or if I went first? Uh, I went first like last week because I started the games and I started the Impact Player. Okay, well then I guess it is on me to give my impact player. And this week, I may have stolen one from you, I don't know. Coming back to the spoiler alert from earlier on in the show, Fletcher Cox is my impact player. With his six total tackles, three of which were sacks, the two forced fumbles, the one fumble recovery, the guy was an absolute living nightmare for Drew Brees in that game this week. Everywhere Brees turned, Fletcher Cox was in his face, so... For me, he just completely disrupted that New Orleans pass game. I know he's helped out by other people putting pressure on the tackles and the guards, but he was the one making through, making the plays, and really tormenting Drew Brees. So that is why he is my impact player this week. Yeah, that is a really good shout. I mean, like I said, people have been criticising the Philly defence, but the front seven, you can't criticise them. No, absolutely not. And with their performance this week against Drew Brees, we'll have to wait and see what they can do and if they can replicate it. Absolutely. So, oh, is it my turn? I believe it is, sir. Well, mine this week probably goes because a bit biased because of the games I actually managed to watch, but I couldn't believe this when I saw this. How about my impact player being... Josh McCown, quarterback for Cleveland Browns? He came into consideration for me, but I, I was like, ooh, I could go with him. And I was like, ooh, yeah, but that means picking a Browns player. I oh, know, it feels so wrong. <laughs> it feels so wrong. But it truly you know what? does. 457 yards, two touchdowns in the air, uh, and one on the ground using his nimble little feet. Uh, I mean, I couldn't believe it. I mean... There's probably a lot of Browns fans sitting there going, Manziel, Manziel. You know, Josh McCown shut them up because he won tough in Baltimore, in the division, to, you know, give them a fighting chance now. And they're two and three. Baltimore now sitting quite easily at the foot of that table, propping everybody up. You know what? This is a big win for Browns fans, you know? There's a lot of grit here. And I think, to be fair, the way he sort of took this team on his shoulders and completely tore apart. Like I said, where's this Ravens defense? He tore them apart. Um, so for me, wow, kudos. Yeah, and not only that, those 458 yards, did you say it was? 457. 457, sorry. That was, of course, a Cleveland passing record. So a franchise record for most I... passing yards in a game as well. So yeah, truly deserves to be your impact player. Now, of course, we come on to the... And this week, I am going with... The Bears! Over the Detroit Lions, 60-40, to 40, so by seven points or less. I just don't like what's happening in Detroit at the moment. They seem to have that turnover-itis at the moment, and Chicago are going to be one of those teams that will just capitalise. They'll keep it close, and then they'll find a way to win, whether it be a touchdown to Bennett or a forte run. Somehow, Cutler's going to take that Bears team, and he's going to get a division win over the Detroit Lions. Wow, so you, that brings Bears from going 0-3 to 3-3. Yes, it does. You know what? I like that too, I must admit. The way they've been playing the last couple of weeks, haven't been winning pretty against the Raiders and now against the Chiefs. Doesn't matter. Win is a win. Just win, baby. Uh, yep. Yeah. There you go. 
My is Tennessee at home over Miami, 70% to 30%. They're going to win by two scores. Tennessee, defense looks good. We saw that against the Bills. I think Marcus Mariota might be able to have a lovely game here against Miami to calm his nerves down because Miami are in total disarray. Philbin is out. They won't know what's going to hit them. And I think, to be fair, coming back to the States, this is not going to be... A baptism of fire is going to be a baptism of lava. Those dolphins are going to sink and sink badly down south in Tennessee. You don't think there's going to be a dolphin backlash then? You don't think they're going to all come out firing now that they've got rid of Coach Philbin, which is potentially why they were playing so badly in the first place so they could get rid of him? No, um, there is going to instead be that sort of sluggish hangover. Fair enough. And just to be different... Did you by chance pick a backup this week or not, in case I came up with the same one as you? Not really, but I must admit, I am. I'm kind of interested in, I can't remember what the I think the Thursday night game is Saints again, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I wanted to see this one because I just want to see if Falcons for real. Um, And I think inside, is it still called the Superdome? Yes, it is. Well, it's the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, I believe, these days. Oh, that it is. Uh, Inside the lights of the Superdome, primetime Thursday night, I think Drew Brees, you know, they picked it up at home the other night, then went away and lost away. So I think at home, they're going to try and get back into the winning ways. Atlanta are going to want to have to steer the ship again against a scare against Washington. So I I put this as like you just did, 60-40 for Atlanta. They're going to win by score. Ain't going to be pretty, but they're going to come away with the win. Stay perfect. Nice one. Well, I did come up with a backup, so this is going to work quite nicely as you managed to find one. I have gone with the Minnesota Vikings over the Kansas City Chiefs, but a close one. I'm going three points or less, 55 to 45. Ooh. Minnesota Vikings taking down the Chiefs, especially with that big injury to Charles, which will keep him out for the season. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that's the one thing that surprised me is how much Forte could run on the Chiefs. Remember, they were a massive run-stopping defense last year. And the way the Vikings got? All day, baby. I like that. I like that. Um, I can actually, to be fair, without the running game, a good Minnesota defense could just completely plug up Alex Smith and it could be a massacre. It could be, but I think it's only going to be three points or less. Spanhead Productions are a small independent sound recording company based in rural Hertfordshire. We specialise in creating content for all your podcasting needs, whether it be field recordings, fox pops, or capturing the atmosphere during social events. Editing is a very time-consuming job, so Spanhead Productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you. Just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound, and we will do the rest. We can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast too. Visit us now, spanheadproductions.com. Weebly.com. That's spamheadproductions.weebly.com. Well, that wraps it up from us for another week. It remains for me to say, Marcus, my good friend, as always, it's been an absolute pleasure, sir. As it always is for me as well. Thank you so much. And a big thank you to our producer, Mark Taylor from Spamhead Productions. Don't forget, we are downloadable on iTunes and our more recent shows are rebroadcast on the Awake Radio Network. If you want to get in touch with us, remember... Hey guys, if you want to get a hold of Audrey or Marcus, send them an email at ballhawksnest at gmail.com. You can also get a hold of us on Twitter at BullHawksNest, at Adrian Mallows, and at Marcus underscore innuendo. And until next time, football fans, stay safe, take care, and thanks for stopping by. <laughs>